Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Deep within the heart of a vast and ancient forest, I find myself stationed at an isolated ranger outpost, surrounded by towering trees that seem to have witnessed centuries of secrets. The land carries an eerie presence, a weight of history that lingers in every rustling leaf and hidden shadow. This place is meant to protect the wilderness, a sanctuary of beauty and serenity, yet I've always felt an undercurrent of something darker lurking beneath the surface. My name is Rachel, and I've dedicated my life to being a park ranger, responsible for maintaining trails, ensuring camper safety, and guiding visitors to experience the enchantment of nature. I've embraced my role, but beyond the facade of my calm professionalism, a gnawing unease festers within me about the forest I am meant to safeguard. It starts with odd occurrences that rattle the tranquility of the ranger station. Whispers, soft and elusive, dance through the trees at night, leaving behind a trail of haunting echoes. The wind, once a gentle companion, now carries a mournful melody that resonates with a sorrowful lament. 
Animals act strangely, their behaviors taking on another worldly quality. One moonlit evening, I catch a glimpse of a shadowy figure darting between the trees, its form twisted and unnatural. Weeks pass, and the unsettling events persist. My colleagues notice the change in me, the deep circles under my eyes, the haunted look that's crept into my gaze. I gather the courage to share my experiences with them, to voice my concerns about the unnatural occurrences, only to be met with skeptical glances and dismissive explanations. They chalk it up to stress or an overactive imagination. In a desperate bid for answers, I delve into local legends, stories whispered among the nearby communities. What I uncover chills me to the bone, an ancient tale of a malevolent spirit, a vengeful entity that calls the forest its home, punishing any who dare to disrupt its domain. It's a tale woven with darkness, and the history of the forest carries traces of tragedy that might just hold the key to understanding its identity. My determination to unravel the mystery takes me to the door of an elderly recluse, a resident of the outskirts of the forest. He's lived with the weight of time on his shoulders, bearing witness to the secrets the land holds. Through his stories of forgotten rituals and ignored warnings, I unearth the chilling truth. The malevolent spirit seeks retribution for a crime against the land that's been buried in the annals of history. Armed with newfound knowledge, I embark on a treacherous journey to confront the malevolent force that lurks within the woods. As I venture deeper into the heart of the forest, the whispers grow louder, an eerie chorus that sends shivers down my spine. The climax of my journey unfolds on a moonless night where the boundary between the living and the supernatural blurs into nothingness. I stand face to face with a vengeful spirit, the very embodiment of the darkness that has plagued the forest. The air becomes dense with an oppressive weight, and the woods come alive with chilling whispers that crawl beneath my skin. A suffocating sense of dread envelops me, and I summon every ounce of courage to confront the malevolence that hungers for my fear. In the end, as the veil between reality and the supernatural tears... I come to a stark realization. The forest itself is a living entity, carrying memories of long-forgotten tragedies. It's a realm where darkness and light dance in a fragile balance. With a final confrontation, I manage to quell the malevolent force, but not without cost. I emerge from the heart of the forest forever changed, my soul bearing the weight of an experience that defies explanation. The woods have claimed another story, another chapter in their ancient saga and I return to my ranger duties with an understanding that some secrets are meant to remain hidden. The forest's depths continue to whisper their mysteries, and as I move through the wilderness, I carry with me the haunting knowledge that the boundary between reality and the supernatural is far thinner than I'd ever believed. My friend and I went to a holiday party about a year back, and we had an early morning meeting for a volunteer event the following day. It was around 12.01 a.m. when we decided to leave the party, but my friend realized that she forgot to buy drinks for the meeting in the morning. Not wanting her to have to wake up earlier than she had to, I offered to drive her to a nearby grocery store that happened to be open late. On the way there, we realized that it was super quiet, and there weren't any other cars around, which is pretty typical if it would have been a weekday. But it was a Saturday, and usually Saturdays are busy until 3 a.m. in our city. Nonetheless, we drove on and reached the store. 
As we drove in, we saw a lady literally appear seemingly out of nowhere, dancing around in a very free-looking way. I don't really know how to describe her outfit, other than almost pirate-like. There were pieces of cloth hanging off of her outfit. Her face was pale white with dark but neat. Eye makeup and her hair looked like it might have been really big breadlocks with more cloth. Or maybe even feathers tied into it. We quickly pulled into a far parking spot, well away from her, and practically sprinted into the store, and when we looked back she was gone. Not sure if this matters, but I figured I would include the ambience of the store as well, in case this is a cross. Dimensional experience. The lights were dim with some flickering, and when we first walked in there was a couple about middle-aged, and I think the woman was pregnant if I remember correctly, whispering to seemingly the only employee. When they spotted us, they stopped talking and watched us walk down the juice aisle. Needless to say, my friend said she changed her mind and wanted to leave. When we first stepped out, we both happened to look to our left and saw the woman from earlier, standing still at the opposite end of the parking lot. We immediately booked it to my car, got in, and locked the doors. But when I tried to start it, it wouldn't. I had just bought the car a couple of weeks prior from a certified dealership, and the car never had, and still never has to this day given me issues. Luckily, after a few turns of the key, my car started and we left. In my rearview mirror, the entity danced toward my car again, but it was almost as though she was sprinting because she was moving so quickly toward us. Once we made it back over the hill towards our homes, it was as though every single car that should have been on the other side of the hill appeared, and the town was as busy as usual. I still have no idea who, what we saw, but I know very well that there was no way that what we experienced was natural in this world. If anyone has opinions on what creature or entity we saw that night, please share. As much as I'm still scared of that incident, I'm anxious to know what we experienced. I forgot to mention that this happened in Southern California, in a city near Los Angeles. Later, I was at a pet store nearby where I saw the dancing woman, and I saw her in the parking lot again. This time it was daylight. I should have taken a photo, but I didn't feel right about it. The woman looked normal, or at least as normal as a woman dressed as a pirate could look. As fun or scary as the story from that night a couple of years ago is, I think that the woman I saw was just that. A woman who seemed out of place due to her attire, movements, and behavior. The story is still weird and gives me chills, especially since the people inside the grocery store were acting so strange, but I think it's safe to say that she was not an entity after all. I can't really explain it. I just knew it wasn't a person. The way the body of it moved was very strange. It wasn't just dancing. It was twisting, and I don't want to say floating, but I, I think that would be the best way to describe it. It just wasn't a natural way of moving. My friend and I have been trying to piece the information together because we can only describe what we as individuals experience. I've dealt with a handful of strange people especially when getting closer to L.A. But this was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I just felt so much dread like I never had before. Maybe this isn't the right sub to post this experience in, but I haven't the slightest clue what to even categorize this experience as... I want to report a cryptid. 
That was seen in the vicinity of Maine on October 5, 2010. This is around 9.35 p.m. by myself and one other person. The creature was about eight and a half feet tall or more, white or light in color, no skin, no hair. It looked almost skeletal or, as I would call, mummified. It looked very large, standing up straight. It was walking upright when we first saw it. We only caught sight of it through our headlights when we were driving on a tooling road right where it crossed onto another smaller road. It had been walking along the edge of the woods, disappearing into them after we saw it. Before we could really get out and get a good look at it, we did not see its face or hands at this point since it moved so quickly. We turned off our headlights and stopped near where we lost sight of it. We could not see anything in front of us with our high beams on. Anyway, it surprised me when I'm driving at night with my high beams on. Nothing is too bright for me to see. Even deer standing in the middle of the road or other cars coming from behind. It told my friend that there was something big in front of us to slow down and watch for it. After we stopped, turned off our headlights, we could see that there was something in the road about a hundred feet away from us, but could not tell what it was due to the snow on the ground, making everything appear darker than usual. It's really hard to explain. We sat there looking at it when my friend backed up slowly. He was still standing there when he had to put enough distance between us so it could not see us anymore. As I mentioned, this thing looked like a large, mummified skeleton. It was easily the creepiest, most closest thing tonight of the living dead you can ever imagine, but it looked far more animalistic than just some huge human skeleton walking around. Either way, the whole incident took less than a couple of minutes until it passed. The other interviews included in this report have been since whited out and unfortunately are unable to be included in this database. Thank you for your understanding. My father was a park ranger, and he always loved the woods as nature provided him and his family with countless memories. And my grandfather was also an explorer, so he always used to wander many places with his curious mind. Eventually, my father acquired the trait and became a ranger. It was one of those holidays when tourists come in search of adventure but end up getting in trouble. People come to the national parks for fun, experience some for field research, However, there was this team who my father had assisted. They had come in search of a secret toy unknown. Now, I know I may sound like a total dumbstruck human, but they were a team of five researchers who were sane and educated, maybe more than the rest. One night, my father's acquaintance got a signal on walkie. Talkie. It was a signal from one of his fellow researchers. After grabbing his rifle, he went ahead and investigated. When his jeep would not allow him to go any further, they had to walk the rest of the path. The tracker with the group stopped working after one time, so now they had to search in two different directions. Therefore, they decided to tie ribbons that way they were going so nobody could get lost. Yellow was his color, and blue was one of his partners. As my father went ahead, he tied ribbons as a mark of the way. He kept venturing deeper into the woods, but could not find the group. Therefore, he tried to contact his partner through walkie-talkie, but never did get an answer back. Now he is still walking in tying ribbons. When one time he encountered a yellow ribbon tied to a tree, maybe he took a different route before, 
Then again, he did go into a different direction, looking out for them. After 15 to 20 minutes, he encountered the ribbon yet again. This kept happening, so this time he stopped to take a rest. While he was sitting under the tree, he looked up casually, and the ribbon caught his eye. It looked different for some reason. So he got up to look at it, and to his surprise, this was not the ribbon he tied earlier. These ribbons looked old and worn out. Besides, the knot on the ribbon was double-knotted, and he tied them in only one knot. This area is restricted where only important personnel were allowed. So who would come all the way out here and tie these yellow ribbons halfway to a tree? He knew something was amiss. My father came up with the idea of following these unknown marks and finding his way to the correct ones. When he was walking his way back, he heard some signing, and there was light coming from that direction. When he was walking in the direction of the light, he discovered a group of researchers who were wearing weird clothing and dancing in circles with fire in the middle. There were only four of them. One person was missing. He had hid behind a big tree and tried to figure out what they were trying to do. Two of them went into the woods, brought a big wooden branch and a man tied to it, his two hands and legs bound together. He was definitely dead, and they tried to cook him alive. My father was scared to see this, so he reached out to contact his partner, but there was no response. After having that choice, he left, but when he got up, he heard the sound that something was still around, and now his life was in danger. He, too, ran away, and these cannibalistic murderers were still behind him. He climbed up a tree to try and divert their attention. And they were there waiting for him just below the tree. When he carefully looked at their feet, he could see that these things, they weren't exactly people, but like people. They were wicked-looking. Well, they looked human. They were different in appearance. He knew immediately something was very wrong. These things scoured around the forest looking for him. They didn't realize that he had climbed himself up in a tree and was waiting for these things to leave. They were these hideous-looking creatures that were like men but emaciated, slender and white, having huge fangs and large hollowed-out eyes. And once they had finally disappeared, he slowly made his way down the tree, looking for every direction, making sure these things were not coming back. That's when my father began to fall unconscious. He was poisoned. Something had seeped into his skin, and he fell right there, collapsing on the forest floor. Next thing, he's waking up in the hospital when he described the incident to senior officials. And they denied his statement any clearance he... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Had should have been revoked. It was very shortly after this that he was no longer a park ranger. He was stripped of virtually everything he had at that career. It was also after this that my father had received multiple death threats. There were some things he'd seen that day and information he knows that is very sensitive and that is not allowed to escape into the public.
My dad used to rent this house way out in the middle of nowhere. A good 45 minutes from any town. The closest neighbor was another 15 minutes away. On this property were several enclosures for raising pheasants. These belonged to the property owner, so my dad had no responsibility towards them, other than to notify the owner if he saw anything wrong. He was high school buddies with the owner, so they were on good terms. Well, one morning he notices something very wrong. In the pheasant enclosure furthest from the house, with a good fifty or so birds, every single one of them had been slaughtered overnight. What was even weirder was that it didn't seem to be an act of predation. None of the birds seemed to have been consumed. Luckily, the owner had cameras, and they got to see what really happened. So sometime in the middle of the night, a man neither of them recognized had wandered onto the property. He made no attempt to approach the house, but instead crawled under the enclosure's fence and proceeded to catch and stab each peasant with a knife while wearing a headlamp. They caught the entire event on camera, from him entering the property till he left early in the morning. The police were called, but nothing ever came of it. My dad was so freaked out from the whole event that he made us stay with our mom for several weeks while he slept in bed with a gun. The property owner tightened up security with new fences and alarms. He even bought some guard dogs. They were very well trained and super friendly to anyone who'd approach them during the day. Nothing ever happened again on that farm, and the bird-killing psycho was never found. My father was a man of few words, a stoic figure with a past shrouded in secrecy. As a CIA operative during the height of the Cold War, he was privy to the darkest corners of espionage and covert operations. Before his passing, he shared with me a spine-tingling story, one that sent chills down my spine and left me questioning the boundaries of reality. Today I feel compelled to recount his story, to share the enigma that haunted him until his dying breath. It was in the wake of a catastrophic nuclear disaster in the former Soviet Union that my father found himself on a mission of utmost importance. The CIA had sent him to investigate the disappearance of a rogue Russian scientist named Vladimir, a man who possessed critical knowledge about the incident and the potential threat it posed to global security. The gravity of the situation weighed heavily on my father's shoulders, yet he remained steadfast in his resolve. Deployed somewhere in Eastern Europe, my father maneuvered through the shadows of a world steep in uncertainty. The Iron Curtain still held its grip, and danger lurked around every corner. But it was during one fateful night while on patrol in a small town in what is now Slovakia that he encountered something that defied comprehension. As he traversed the darkened streets, a figure emerged from the depths of the night. Cooked in an all-black coat, it stood at a towering height of ten feet, a chilling presence that sent shivers down my father's spine. Its eyes, gleaming with an otherworldly intensity, bore into his very soul. But what caught his attention most were the two elongated fangs that protruded from its mouth, akin to those of a vampire from the stories of old. This creature, this abomination, moved with a grace that belied its grotesque nature. It discreetly hunted down its victims, leaving no trace of its existence. But on that fateful night, it found itself face to face with a CIA operative. 
Sensing danger, it fled into the depths of darkness, leaving my father in stunned disbelief. Driven by a mix of curiosity and duty, my father gave chase, desperate to unravel the mystery that had unfolded before his very eyes. But his efforts were in vain, for the creature vanished into the night, leaving behind only questions and a lingering sense of unease. The following day, my father resumed his mission, pressing forward in pursuit of his objectives. Yet a nagging uncertainty gnawed at the edges of his consciousness. What had he truly witnessed? Was it a figment of his imagination, a manifestation of the weariness that consumed him? Or had he stumbled upon a dark secret that lay hidden within the realm of the supernatural? In the years that followed, my father never spoke of that night to anyone but me. It became our secret. When I was around eleven, I got very into fairies, but more in a witchy way, I guess you could say. I realized that's kind of old for a kid to be into things like this, but you got to know I was a very imaginative, somewhat lonely kid. I've always loved fairies, and my mom got me a book on them. It included fairy language and a list of gifts to offer fairies should you wish to interact with them. Of course, I wanted to contact with them. Of course I wanted to contact them. What little girl wouldn't? For about a month I wandered out to my backwoods and by a river. Because, according to the book, fairies like to hang out around water and leave little notes written in the supposed language along with little gifts and offerings. I'd make them little leaf baskets, leave them candy or flowers, things like that. I even recited a chant. Yeah, I know. I think part of me knew it was silly and that I'd probably never get results, but damn if I wasn't determined. So I kept on. At one point, my gifts and notes started disappearing from the bench I left them on. I figured it was wind or birds taking it, but a small part of me hoped it was something else. A month of this nonsense, and I was getting very discouraged. I decided to leave a few more gifts for them, and this time I weighed them down with small rocks so they wouldn't blow away, and I'd know for sure. A day went by, and my gifts were still there. Another day, same thing. Then on the third day of checking, I found the gifts gone, but the rocks still there. Only the rocks were moved around. I don't remember how soon after that this happened, but eventually I got what I had wanted. I wandered out to the woods and saw by the river two monarch butterflies. They were very large, and I wanted to see them up close. However, one landed on a branch close to the path where I was standing, and I noticed this butterfly had limbs. Tiny, thin, pale, limbs, hands, feet. I stopped dead in my tracks and looked hard to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. It was broad daylight, and I could see very clearly. It wasn't a butterfly. It was a fairy. She had long, thin, brown hair that went down past her feet, and a blue dress that looked like a small scrap of fabric. But what terrified me above all else was her face. Her eyes were giant black bug, alien-like eyes, but she definitely had a face, and she definitely saw me. I didn't even try to go look at the other one because I ran. I was so scared that I bolted home and locked my door. After freaking out and keeping an eye on my backyard, the backwoods, through the window, I went back. No surprise, they were gone, and I never saw them again, despite me trying over and over again. My gifts were never taken again. 
I felt sad and stupid because I felt like I ruined my chance to have fairy friends, but knowing what I do now, it was probably a blessing they left me alone. What do you guys think? Has anyone else seen a fairy and did they look like this? I just need to find someone else who has seen what I have seen. It's something I'll never ever forget. I remember her so clearly I could draw her. Nope. I went to the library and looked at every book on butterflies I could find. Googled, and I couldn't find a butterfly matching any description that looked like what I saw. So I'm going to start by saying I'm basically a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. Although I love hearing stories and listening to others' points of views when it comes to that kind of stuff. This is why I'm having such a hard time understanding what happened to me last September. My dad, grandma, grandpa, and I were attending my cousin's wedding in a small rural town just outside of South Haven my late last summer. We rented a small house in town which was located in a very wooded area just off of a small lake. Something felt extremely off as soon as I got out of the car at our rental property. That's the best way I could describe it. Something felt off and I was immediately uneasy. But being the skeptic that I am, I shrugged it off and chalked it up to being tired and anxious. The night we arrived, my dad and I were having a smoke outside and noticed how weird everything sounded. It was about 11 p.m. and there was no one else around. The trees were crackling incredibly loudly and we were hearing strange animal noises, but nothing too out of the ordinary. Just the type of animal noises you would hear in rural Mai. But they just sounded particularly strange to us for some reason. We said our good nights and went to bed. The next morning my dad told me that he went outside for a smoke at about two-ish that morning and heard what sounded to him like someone close by banging on metal siding. He said it sounded like it was just next door, but didn't hear anything leading up to or preceding the loud banging, like footsteps or anything like that. We shrugged and laughed it off. The second night was when I heard the thing that I still can't stop thinking about six months later. It was about 11 p.m. Midnight and I was having my last smoke of the night. My grandparents were already asleep and my dad had just gotten into bed but still awake watching TV. I was sitting on the stairs outside with my back to the house looking straight out into the backyard. I heard someone shout my name in a very abrupt manner, loud and fast. It sounded like they were shouting toward me from the front of the house, like they were standing on the front porch shouting for me, knowing I was at the back of the house. It sounded just like my dad, but it couldn't be him because I didn't hear the front door open or close or anything. Being a skeptic, I reminded myself to stay calm and I quickly walked back into the house. My dad was sound asleep. There was no way that by the time I got to him he could have gotten back into bed. I woke him up and asked him if he was outside screaming my name. He looked confused and said, of course not. I started to get really freaked out at this point. I tried to go to bed, but couldn't get that scream out of my head. I was up all night trying to figure out what happened. I was honestly contemplating leaving, getting a hotel room somewhere close by, and returning in the morning. Miraculously, I must have fallen asleep sometime around 3 a.m. We woke up the next morning, and I was so ready to get the hell out of that town. As soon as we left, the uneasy feeling I had the entire weekend disappeared. When I returned to work the next day, I told my co-worker the weird experience I had. 
her face immediately dropped. She proceeded to inform me that this is quite common in the Appalachian area regarding cryptids and other types of creatures. Apparently they try to get your attention by mimicking someone close to you, and when you look at them, they kidnap you or something along those lines. But I was in Michigan. I tried to look up information about the town I was in, but didn't find anything remotely interesting. Has anyone else had a similar experience? This happened in the American Southwest to my parents while on vacation. I stopped at a spot along their travel route to get some food and got talking to a young local who worked there. He told them about a box canyon that was on the way to their next stop. For those who don't know, a box canyon is characterized by being narrow, having high vertical walls, and a flat bottom. To hear my mom tell it, he described the canyon with an almost spiritual reverence, saying that it was incredibly beautiful and had superb acoustics and that he loved taking his guitar out there to play. My folks liked doing stuff off the beaten path, so they decided to pay a visit. The canyon seemed to be quite isolated, with no buildings of any kind around it for miles. By the time they parked their car and made it to the canyon's entrance, the sun was just starting to go down. They said they seemed to be the only ones there, with no parked cars other than their own. They made their way into the canyon. After the fact... My parents have both said that they separately, without speaking of it, started to feel a touch of unease. Not totally unreasonable, as it was starting to get dark and the canyon walls pressed close on either side. Despite this feeling, they continued on, until they heard the noise. My parents report the nature of this noise differently. When I ask them to describe it, their faces sort of scrunch up. Like it's an effortful task, or they're still uncertain. My dad says it sounded like a person possibly a man, speaking a low, single word that he didn't understand. My mom says that it didn't really sound like a word of any kind to her, just a strange, deep noise that rang out from somewhere nearby above them. It was accompanied by a brief, intense flash of pale light. Neither of them knew what it was or where precisely it had come from, but they both were immediately filled with dread and an overwhelming desperation to get the hell out of the canyon. They turned around and booked it back to their car. As they exited the dark, close space of the canyon, my mom describes feeling certain there was something chasing them, and thinking that once they got to their car, they would find it sabotaged. That, thankfully, was not the case, and they were able to get in and speed away down the empty road. My mom said she didn't feel safe until they'd been driving for a while still having the panicked but totally unsupported notion that they were being pursued. When they eventually spoke of it to one another, they weren't able to make any real sense out of what had happened. Neither one of them really has a theory. This is probably pretty dull as far as spooky experiences go, but neither of my parents have a history of weird encounters or of telling tall tales, and so it strikes me to see them both get re-creeped out by the mere memory of this incident. Edit. I've asked my mom clarifying questions since I first recorded this story and I forgot to update. She said that the flash of light was actually quite close to them, mere feet away, and that it sort of seemed to hang in the air for a few moments. She had a hard time describing it very clearly. <laughs> 